Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. If you got your Bibles this morning, grab them. I'm going to be doing some scripture reading out of Luke chapter 22, John 18 and 19. I'll be there in just a moment. I'm starting a new series this morning called Encounters to the Resurrection. So this series is going to pick up from uh, Passover Thursday until the resurrection that morning. And Jesus encountered all kinds of different people in that short time frame, I'm going to focus on 13 different people that the Lord encountered. Uh, Some of them had life-changing moments. Some of them were unmoved, uh, but this will culminate on Easter. Next Sunday, we're going to take communion, so I'm looking forward to this series. So this morning, I'm going to draw your attention to two major figures, Peter and Pilate, but also interwoven in their particular stories are a couple of names that aren't as prominent. I want to talk about them for a moment as well. So as we go through this scripture reading, I'm going to pull from all of the Gospels because some of them have just a little bit different detail or two when we talk about uh, particular stories. And here's the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell the story first. I'm going to just kind of walk through the narrative of their story. And then I'm going to do like things we can learn. So I'll kind of preach at the end, but I want to tell the story up front. Now, uh, the first thing is I, I want to remind you that they are under Roman occupation. Okay, so I, just a couple of facts really quick, because this is important narrative all the way through. So quick facts about the Roman occupation. All right. So at this particular time, in the time of Jesus, there were 700,000 people, Jewish people living in Palestine, 700,000. There were 170,000 soldiers. So, man, this was an occupation. There was a lot of soldiers there. There were heavy taxes upon the Jewish people. Very little of the money stayed local. Most of it went to Rome to fund the worldwide occupation and the Roman Empire at that particular time. So there was bitterness over that. And then the Romans had control over everyday life as well. Where you traveled, commerce, legal things. So this was, you know, this was a constant backdrop to the life and the story of Jesus, and you're going to see that more as the story comes about. So let's talk about the life of Peter and Jesus. And I just want to back up just a little bit before we get to the the, uh, cross encounter. So uh, around the world, the early life of Peter, around the world, people know him as Saint Peter, but the Gospels show him to be just a little bit different and far from that. So Peter's life starts as a rough, temperamental, commercial fisherman who is married 
owns a home, and has been raised in the synagogue. So he's a commercial fisherman, not recreational. He's one of those tough, salty guys, you know, kind of a Navy guy, kind of a rough edge uh, to him. So he's a commercial fisherman with all that goes along with that. Now, it is his brother, Andrew, who first hears about Jesus at the preaching of John the Baptist. Andrew's hanging out with John the Baptist, and he hears about this Messiah. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the earth, the world. I mean, he's so excited. Andrew comes back to Peter and says, Listen, you've got to hear about this guy. I think we've found him. Now, do you remember before you were saved... And somebody around you got saved, and they were all excited, and you thought they were weird, right? You remember those? I remember. So on a Monday night, my mother says, hey, some of your friends are here. I go to the living room. I got four of my friends there. I thought we were going to play ball. They had gotten saved three weeks before, and they were out on Monday night visitation, okay? Anybody know what Monday night visitation was? And I was the bullseye that night. And they said, we've come to talk to you to see if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I was so disappointed. There was no ball. There was no chicken wings, whatever. I had determined at that point, I might give my life to Christ sometime, but I'm not going to give you the pleasure of leading me to the Lord. So, but do you know what? You know what happened a couple of months later? Who's on Monday night visitation? It's me knocking on the door. So Peter, he hears this about Andrew. Andrew's like, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. And he's like, I don't want to hear this. And finally, finally, Peter has an encounter with Jesus. Matthew 20, come follow me, Jesus said. I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets, they followed him, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Peter becomes a, a follower of Jesus. I'm sure his wife, I'm sure his creditors, and his father were all a little bit nervous. But let me just tell you something this morning. When you hear the message of Jesus, it can move the heart. Man, you just do things that you never think that you would because the message of your soul, the answer to your soul has been answered. So now Peter is a follower of Jesus. And Peter witnesses unbelievable miracles, healings, and is impacted personally by the teachings of Jesus. And I love very early in Peter's walk with the Lord, he's out fishing again, and they can't catch fish. And Jesus, because let me just tell you something about fishermen. They don't want your advice because they know it all, okay? They'll stay out there all day, but don't you make a suggestion. So here comes this teacher that says, hey, why don't you throw the nets on the other side of the boat? Out of respect, they did not go, that's the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. But they went ahead and did it. 
and the boat was filled. And I love this. Simon Peter, when he saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Man, he realized that was a miracle of God, that it wasn't just the luck of, you know, the luck of fishing, but it was a miracle. And Peter was walking with Jesus. Jesus goes to Peter's house where his mother-in-law is sick, and he prays for her, and she is healed. They, the disciples are, are on the Sea of Galilee in a boat, and a wind uh, and a storm comes and Jesus starts to walk to them. Peter thinks it's a ghost. He's so afraid. Jesus gets close to them and he calls Peter. Peter, if you want to, come out here. And Peter walked on the water. He looked away for a moment and started to fall, but Jesus caught him. He called Peter said, Peter, you and James and John, I want you to come with me to the top of the mountain where the transfiguration happened and they saw God's presence and they saw God's voice. There was a time in Peter's journey as a disciple that, that many disciples were, were walking away and they were leaving Jesus. And Jesus said to Peter, are you going to leave me as well? And Peter said, Lord, where would I go? I've given everything for this movement. What, what, what is, where, where would I go to? What a, what a great answer. And then kind of my favorite story of Peter's discipleship life. Jesus said, Peter... Who do men say that I am? And Peter said, they say you're Elijah. They say you're John the Baptist. And Peter, Jesus said, but Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are Jesus, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, the Holy Spirit, man's not revealed that to you, but only the Holy Spirit. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't build this church on the blue bloods, blue bloods of the religious elites, but he built it on this commercial fisherman who was totally committed to Jesus. I love his story. So now it's Passover week, all right? They're going to Jerusalem because it's the celebration of Passover. It's a happy time. Thousands of people go into, you know, they go into Jerusalem. It's the start of a great week. On Thursday, a great meal awaits. It's really the official beginning of the Passover. As they're working their way to Jerusalem on Sunday, the week before, they stop off at Bethany at Simon the leper's house. A woman comes out, you know the story, she breaks the expensive jar of perfume and she puts it on the feet of Jesus, man, and they have this wonderful time of, of worship. And I imagine in the disciples' hearts, wow, this is going to be a powerful week. The very next day, they go to Jerusalem, and it's the triumphal entry. They're thinking they'll just kind of walk in, but you know what? That hundreds and hundreds of people were waving palm branches when Jesus came riding in on a colt and they were saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. And I'm sure Peter and the disciples thought, boy, this is going to be a fantastic week. But little did they know, this is the last week of Jesus' life. The very next day on, on Tuesday, they get up. Jesus said, let's go to the synagogue. Yes, let's go to the synagogue. That's a great place to start this week. But they go to the temple 
And they see a couple of things. They see people, they, the religious leaders, they were selling, you know, they were selling uh, the sacrificial em emblems for exorbitant prices to all of the out-of-towners. They were not just changing money as a courtesy, but they were making a huge profit off of it. And Jesus was so angry that he began to turn over the tables and the disciples cannot believe uh, what, what is going on. The very next day, they're walking by the temple and Jesus said, it won't be too long that this temple is going to be knocked down. And Peter says, Jesus, hey, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the world? And on the Wednesday of that week, Jesus gives the long kind of what the last days are going to look like. It's Thursday night of Passover week. They come together for the Passover meal. This is the official beginning kind of of the, the Passover celebration and there are three unusual things that occurred at this particular meal first of all Jesus took off his kind of the, his outer robe and he got a pan of water and he began to wash their feet that was either normally either you let people wash their own feet you know or a servant wash their own feet let me tell you I'm not a foot person I couldn't wash your feet I'd have to see Jesus and he'd have to tell me to do that okay and then I would do it he starts washing feet and he gets to Peter, and Peter goes, no way, no way you're going to wash my feet. And, P and Jesus says to Peter, if I can't wash your feet, then you can't be a part of what I'm, what I'm doing. And Peter, I love it, he says, then pour the whole bowl on me then. Just, just cover me, cover me with it. That was an unusual. Jesus said this memorial, people will remember. This servanthood memorial, people will remember. Something else unusual, Jesus said at that meal, someone who's sitting here is going to betray me. And they're all going, is it me? See, everybody thinks, you know, that they knew it was Judas. They didn't. They're going, is it me? Is it me? And Jesus said, it's the one whose hand is, is with me in this bread. And it was Judas. Judas got up and left. Can you imagine? Man, they traveled with this guy. The, the shocking, you know, uh, moment when, when they realize Judas has betrayed Jesus and he leaves. Imagine it's just stunned silence. But that wasn't the only unusual thing. Jesus said to Peter, Simon, hey, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. And when you're turned back, strengthen the brothers. Here's Simon again. Oh no, not me. I'll follow you wherever. I'll go to prison. I'll go to death. But not me. And Jesus said, Simon, before the night's over, before the, the rooster crows three times, you'll deny, you'll deny me. Wow. Stunning, shocking moments at the Passover meal. Jesus pulls them all outside to pray, Peter, James, and John. And remember, they couldn't stay awake. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, could you not pray with me one hour? I mean, you think, you know, like if you had been foretold that you were going to deny, that you might wake yourself up a little bit and pray. And he just, you know, he just couldn't get awake. And then all of a sudden, here come the armies, the arresting party for Jesus enters, enters the scene. Malchus was the servant of the high priest. 
He was sent along with the high priest and the soldiers in Judas to capture and arrest Jesus. But Peter, he grabs the sword from someone and he cuts the ear off of Malchus in that in that moment, thinking he was helping, okay? Anytime we think we help God, we probably screw it up. Can I just say that this morning? And you know what? Jesus said to him, stop what you're doing. And he put his hand and he healed him. Well, the disciples kind of disperse after that moment. They've arrested Jesus. They don't know what to do. And then I want to read this passage to you, um, Luke, Luke 22, it says, Then seizing him, Jesus, this is when they arrested him, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there by the firelight, She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. And he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not. Now, Luke says that he he began to curse when he said that. Man, he, he started to swear some of this sailor starts to come out from him. Then about an hour later... Another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Now Matthew says that on this third, on this third accusal, it was a relative of Malchus that just got his ear cut off. So they were able to identify him. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as Jesus was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Thomas doubted some of Jesus' miraculous works, but Peter denied him three times. Even worse, if you want to, to think about it that way. Where did Peter go after his denial? Well, we we don't know. It says he went out and he wept bitterly. We don't ever see him at the scene of the cross. So he like disappears for a day. But he is back with the disciples on Sunday morning, on resurrection morning. Okay, he shows up. He's there. He's probably feeling terrible about what he did. Okay, and I'm sure that his disciple buddies aren't making him feel any better. You know how men do. What are, you, what are you doing? Or have you lost your mind? Are you crazy? You know, so he's there, you know. And, and that morning, Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, they go to the tomb. They're going to put fresh spices uh, upon the, the body of Jesus, and they're talking. I wonder who, who will roll away the stone when we get there. But they get there. You know the story. The stone is rolled away. They go in the tomb. There is an angel sitting there. Jesus has been resurrected just as he said. And I love this. He said, but go tell his disciples and Peter. 
He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Just giving a little message that even though you may fail and fall, God has not forgotten you. Go to tell the disciples and Peter. And then the last part of this, they're on the beach. They're eating with Jesus after his resurrection. And it's John 21. They had finished eating. Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know I love you. You know, I, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. One. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Two. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because the Lord Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three. Three denials. Three affirmations. God is a God of forgiveness and restoration. Amen. Things we can learn. Give the Lord praise this morning. Things we can learn from Peter's story. Peter and Andrew, so here's some things that we can learn. Now, what kind of popped out to you when we kind of went through that narrative? What got your attention? Peter and Andrew were not looking for a spiritual experience, but randomly and consistently came across Jesus. So let me just say to you, whether you are looking for him or open to him or not, he is looking for you. His mission, he said, the Son of Man is sent to seek and to save those who are lost. He's seeking out. He's looking for you. Listen, like, like, and he gives this example of a woman that lost a coin, a shepherd that lost a sheep, a father that lost his son, how God is looking for you. And I just want to say, do you keep having these random God thoughts? Do you keep having these random thoughts about faith and, man, you know, church, some of you are sitting here watching me this morning. You don't have any idea why you're doing this, but you are drawn at the moment. Peter and Andrew, they didn't seek out a religious experience, but God kept showing up in their lives. And I want to tell you, He will keep showing up, knocking on your door. He never gives up. He loves you. These aren't random experiences. They are the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention and point you to Christ. We look at Peter's many failures. failures. What else can we learn? But also, they are a sign of his growth as well. Yeah, he did some crazy things. But it's a sign of his growth and maturity as well. So when a toddler falls, do you make fun of the toddler and condemn them? You'll never walk. You should know better. No, no. Because, listen, when a toddler falls, in actuality, it is a help to them because they are learning balance, coordination, and their muscles are being strengthened. So every time a toddler falls and gets back up, in actuality, they are better off than when they 
when they failed. And it's the same way. Now, you can, you can die in your failure or you can do like Peter and you can recognize that in your life and you can get back up and God will help you and strengthen you. So failure you know, is, not, is not failure, you know, unless you just, unless you just lay there, okay? Be careful of spiritual pride. It can cause a sense of self-confidence, a, a spiritual self-confidence. You won't wash my feet. That's what he said. I'll never leave you. Death, prison, doesn't matter. You know, let me just say to those of you that have been in the faith a long period of time, okay, and we think, man, look what all that I've done. Look how long I've been a servant of Jesus. We need to keep a spirit of humility, all right? We never need to have spiritual pride. You know, the scripture says, he that stands, watch out, because you can fall as well. We need to come humbly, not just because we've had great exploits with the Lord, you know, that then there'll never be a failure. We come humbly. We stay steady to our devotions, all right? Sometimes we think, I've done this 20 years. Man, I can coast a little bit. You can't coast. You can't ever coast, all right? So let's don't, let's don't have any false pride. Peter was well-meaning, but hurt and wounded Malchus. Hey, I'm, I'm helping the situation here. Malchus can symbolize many people who get hurt by careless Christians, okay? You know, like... Like, there, there are people that are just, you know, they're in the church, and they're just here by name only. But some, most people are, are well-meaning people that sometimes make poor choices. And if you're here, you're watching me online, and you've been hurt by someone in the church, maybe a religious leader, you're just, you're like Malchus, and here's Peter, the great Peter. Man, he has, he has hurt you. I just, I just want you to know that there might be a small element in the church that would hurt, but most are good and decent people. The, my deepest wounds that I've ever had have come within the house of faith. But I don't turn on the house of faith because I've seen some godly and good people as well. So if you've been hurt, okay, if you've been hurt, just remember it was Jesus that reached out and healed him, okay? It was Jesus that took the moment and brought healing to his life. Don't, don't think, you know, that because someone hurt you, that that's the way God feels about you or, or whatever, because it's just, it's just not that way. And then just last about Peter. His failure, repentance, and willingness to try again was the foundation of his rebirth and God using him in a great way. His failure, his repentance, and willingness to try again. Sometimes we fail, we, we repent, and we just lay there. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. The Lord restored him on the beach with those three affirmations. So have you failed? You knew better? You've made poor decisions in your life? I want you to know that God will forgive you. Some people, they'll accept God's forgiveness, but they don't want to try again. They're just like, I'm, I'm done. I want to tell you, God's in the restoring business. And if you've made a mistake, if you've done something, you know, and you knew better than that, man, give the Lord a second, a, a second chance. Proverbs says... A righteous man falls seven times, and he just keeps getting back up. Just get back up. Just get back up. Get back in the game. Get back, get back in the ring. And that's what you see in Peter's life. He became a leader in Acts 2. He became a leader of the early church. So what, you know, his failure did not, 
did not cost him, okay? All right, let's, let's look at Pilate real quick. All right, let's look at Pilate. A couple things about Pilate. Encounter, his encounter with Jesus. Pilate had served as governor in Rome, uh, for Rome and Caesar in Palestine for 10 years. So he was kind of the governor. Not exactly the greatest of assignments, okay? You, this is not something that you would pick. So here's Pilate. There was a complicated assignment with a strong influence and watchful eye of Caesar and the powerful religious influence as well. So he's balancing the two. Caesar and the Roman government are watching him, but also he's got 700,000 Jews to make happy as well. There were numerous political uprisings from the Jewish people to overthrow Rome, to which Caesar was becoming increasingly nervous about. So they just kept trying to overthrow the Roman government. Finally, they said, hey, we're going to let the Jewish people kind of handle their own affairs through the Sanhedrin. Remember that term? So they were just kind of handling all the Jewish affairs, and they'd given some authority to them. Pilate had made the Jewish people angry by confiscating funds from the temple treasury to pay for an aqueduct. So it was a public works thing, but he took the money out of the church to pay for it, and they were very angry. And then his troops had invaded the temple and murdered some who were worshiping in the temple. So, wow. He's got uprisings over here. Rome is watching. He's got the Jewish people that are not happy. And Pilate is caught in the middle. So let's look at the Pilate meets Jesus for the first time. Okay, He's been arrested. And the Sanhedrin bring Jesus to Pilate early on Friday morning. Okay, So they've arrested him. They bring him to Pilate early on Friday morning. Pilate initially thinks he's refereeing an internal religious dispute. And he has little interest in it. They just thought, you know, Jesus said he was blaspheming, and he's like, you guys kind of handle that, you know. But due to the fact that they were asking for a death sentence, you know, he, he tries to add a little due process to this. So Pilate calls Jesus to a private meeting to assess the situation. Let's read this private meeting. Pilate then went back inside the palace. He summoned Jesus and asked him, are you a king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Did others talk to you about me? I, am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people, your chief priest, handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So you're a king then? said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify of the truth. Everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. And with this, he went out again to the Jews gathered and said, I find no basis for charges against him. Okay, so keep that in mind. So Pilate announces Jesus' innocence, but also discovers that his superior, Herod, is in town, and he sends Jesus to him, hoping that Herod will make the final decision about Jesus. So, you know, it's kind of up the food chain a little bit. Herod's in town. Maybe he'll handle this, so he sends him over to Herod. Herod you know, listens to Jesus. They made fun of him. They put a robe on him, but they sent him back to Pilate. Pilate keeps trying to push Jesus away, get rid of Jesus, but Jesus keeps coming back. So John 18, 
he comes back and he says, this is about Barabbas, but it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at a time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Question mark. You know, they shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part of an uprising. So Barabbas is in jail for committing a murder and causing the attempted overthrow of Rome. All right. Then Pilate's wife comes to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with this innocent man, for I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Wow. Wow. So here, here he is, Barabbas, hopeless, probably, ultimately, a death sentence crucifixion is in his future, you know, uh, for, for Roman insurrection. So Barabbas hears the Roman soldiers coming down, you know, coming down the hallway. He probably assumes, you know, this is it. The door is unlocked. The soldiers grab him. He's preparing. This is probably the final moment. But he finds himself standing on one side of Pilate, and there's this other man standing as well. He's like, what is, what is this? What is this moment? The irony here is that Pilate finds Jesus innocent of being an insurrectionist, insurrectionist while Barabbas is in jail for being convicted of, a, of being an insurrectionist. Okay? And then he said, who can I release to you? Because Barabbas was no friend of the Sanhedrin. He was trying to overthrow. So he thinks, again, here's an out for Jesus. Okay, his wife's already said, I've had this dream. He's innocent. Here's another chance. But they choose Barabbas. The crowd chooses Barabbas. Jesus, a carpenter that builds, or Barabbas, an insurrectionist that tears down. One for being uh, sinless, one notorious for for his sins. Pilate tries to get the crowd to make a decision for him, but Barabbas walks free. Barabbas walks free. Wow. The final part of the story. Pilate has Jesus punished. Once Barabbas goes free, what, what's he going to do? So he has Jesus flogged, beaten 39 times, the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and they put on his head, they put a purple robe on him and he stands before this crowd, Jesus who's already been beaten and he says, hail the king of the Jews and they slap him in the face. He comes out to the Jews thinking again, this will be enough, but but they won't let him go. They just keep saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate says, but I don't find, you know, I find no basis of guilt in him. And they said, crucify him. Pilate has another private meeting with Jesus. He pulls him back again. Bloody crown of thorns. Here's what is said in that private meeting. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. He went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave no answer. 
Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders keep shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out. He sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement. It was the day of preparation of Passover. It was about noon. Pilate said, here is your king, he said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away. Crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate said. We have no king but Caesar. And the chief priest answered, finally, Pilate handed Handed him over to be crucified. And in one last moment, the Gospel of Matthew says, he went over to a bowl and he washed his hands and he said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. And they crucified Jesus. Things we can learn from Pilate's story. Pilate was always trying to avoid Jesus never really wanting to deal with who he was. He tried initially to send him back to the Jews. He tried to send him to Herod. He tried to get him released with Barabbas. He kept, he kept on multiple occasions trying to kind of, you know, extract himself from the situation. And I just want to say, maybe you're that way. You can keep pushing him away, denying his existence, avoiding him, not going to church, listen to me. But at some point in your life, you have got to deal with these questions. Who is Jesus? What is he teaching? And am I a follower of his? You can be like Pilate and you can just keep pushing him away and avoiding. But eventually at some point, you're going to answer those questions. C.S. Lewis says it this way, and I love it. When it comes to the person of Jesus, he is either a liar, he is a lunatic, or he is Lord. He's a liar, he didn't exist, it's just a fabrication. He's a lunatic. He was here, but his teachings were crazy, offbeat, or he's Lord. And if that's him, you better pay, pay, take, pay attention to the message that he is saving. So Pilate was always trying to avoid, push him away, okay? But at some point, you've got to deal with Jesus. Have you ever felt lost? Your moral, have you ever felt like you've lost your moral compass? Your job has confused your values. You're not sure what your moral compass is. That's Pilate. Man, down is up, up is down, what's right or wrong. Maybe things that you used to believe you don't believe anymore and you look at your life and man, everything is, you know, everything's kind of kind of turned upside down. You don't even know who you are. That was Pilate. Man, it just, this, this thing just kept, you just kept getting confused and not, not sure what to do. Is that you? Do you feel moral confusion in your life, is this culture's just kind of, you know, just kind of changing? You don't know who you are anymore? What happened to Barabbas? What did he do with his life? Did this moment move him, especially when salvation through Jesus was portrayed in his life? He's an unknowing actor. Walks out of prison. He's standing there 
And this, this is a portrait of salvation. He's a condemned man, but he goes free. The innocent man pays the price, okay? Barabbas was, you know, an unknowing actor in this visual that, you know, that was playing out concerning salvation. What, what happened to him? Like, what, did, did, that impact his, did that impact his life? Worship team, you can come. Last thing. As Pilate thought he was doing, you cannot wash your hands and walk away from Christ. He said, you know, I'm done. Somebody else's responsibility. Everyone is responsible for their own actions and will stand God, stand before God. You cannot blame others for your own spiritual decisions. Okay? He washes his hands. I'm innocent. This is somebody else's responsibility. And I want to tell you something. With well, the Lord, you just can't do that. You just, you just can't, you know, you just can't walk away just can't walk away from that, tries to switch the blame. You know what? In the passage, kind of formally, Jesus was on trial, but in actuality, it was Pilate. It was Pilate. It was Pilate that was there. He's also facing who Jesus is in his own, with his own life. So we've seen a couple of people that had some encounters with Jesus over these last last couple of days you got Peter who had this great failure but there was also this great story of redemption okay and I said at the beginning that Peter and Andrew they weren't looking for a spiritual experience but it kept looking for them it kept coming back to them if you're here today you're not a follower of Jesus. Not, maybe you're not even a religious person. That's okay. They weren't either. Nominally, were they religious? But this message just kept showing up in their life. They could not get away from it. And if that's you today, I want you to do something. I want you to listen to what God may be saying to you. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And I want you, if that's you, to go, hey, Lord, if you're speaking to me, let me know. Keep, keep going. Open, just open yourself to this may be a God moment in your life. They weren't looking, but in actuality, God was looking for them. And they found a life-changing message through Jesus. And I think you can find the same, the same thing as well. Also, have you been hurt in the church? You've been wounded? You're watching online? I'm not going back to church. I've, I've been hurt. I've been wounded. Maybe you're here today. Hey, I, I acknowledge that. Things happen like that, you know, in church. And I apologize. Let me just say, if I've hurt you, if I've offended you, if I've done something that hasn't represented our Lord in the way that it should be, I, I want you to reach out to me, man. I, wanna, I want you to know. I don't, want you, I don't want you to let your walk with God be hindered because of something maybe that, that
that I did. But if you're here and you're hurt and you feel estranged from the church, a pastor, a leader, something that's happened in the past, and that hurt, you're kind of like Malchus, you know, that hurt, you know, is maybe kind of keeping you from the Lord. I want to say today there's a there's healing for you and God has a plan for you. But I want you to know that God cares. It was Jesus that said, stop it, Peter, stop. And it was Jesus that brought healing and he'll do the same. He'll do the same thing. All right. All right. Pilate was always trying to avoid Jesus. But at some point, you've got to answer, who is Jesus? What was his message? And do I want to be a follower of Jesus? Okay. I just want to kind of pray. I want to pray over those areas this morning. The worship team is going to come in just a moment. And uh, so would you, would you pray with me? Lord, I give you thanks today. Lord, I thank you for the journey of Peter and even we learn from Pilate. Lord, there are those that are here today. Lord, they, they, they are hearing your message. Lord, they are having this sense that you're dealing with them. They may not be followers, may not be religious at this point, but you are speaking to them today. And I pray, Lord, as Peter and Andrew just kept being confronted, Lord, that people will be open to this message of the gospel that you have for them. So I pray, I pray for those this morning. They, they may be ready today to follow you, Lord, or those that are just kind of on this journey. I pray, God, that you would guide them and you would lead them today. Lord, as we answer the question together, who is Jesus? What was his message? And am I a follower of him? Lord, I pray for those that have been hurt in the church. I pray those that have been wounded. Lord, they're not walking into worship and service and relationships because of something that's happened in the past from a, from a church, a religious leader, or someone in the church. Lord, I pray, I pray, God, I pray, I pray that you'll speak and bring healing to them. And then, Lord, I just pray today. God, I pray, I pray, Lord, that we'll walk in, lean into you. Lord, as we are getting ready for Easter, Lord, you'll, you'll prepare our hearts today. Lord, we worship you. Would you stand? Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.